All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. Welcome to Real Estate IQ, number one in deal finding. And welcome to the webinar, Successful Habits Book Club. Thank you all for being with us this afternoon. I'm Arthur, and I'm going to be your host today. And I am joined in by my lovely co-host, Ms. Shirley. Ms. Shirley, would you like to say something? <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, happy Wednesday. <laughs> well, why this book club? Our success is a direct result of all the habits we have. The more successful habits we adopt, the more successful we become. And reading on a regular basis is one of the most impactful, successful habits we can develop. And here's a couple of wise words coming from a Chinese proverb. A book holds a house of gold. The reading of all good books is like conversation with the finest people of the past centuries by Descartes. And there is more treasure in books than in all the pirates' loot on Treasure Island by my idol Walt Disney. And who are we? Real Estate IQ is a technology and data company focused on creating work from home automated systems for the real estate investment community. And these are some of our work from home automated systems. Deal analysis with unlimited comps. Deal finding with over 45,000 motivated seller leads and premium, skip trace emails, phone numbers, everything you need to get to your next deal. And our mission to empower your journey to freedom and success. Our core values, growth oriented. It is the belief that you can learn more or get better through hard work, dedication, and perseverance. You can learn more, learn faster, and have the attitude of seeing failures and challenges as strong opportunities to augment your skills and knowledge. Champion mindset, the mindset of a champion is flexible and strong. Champions harbor the ability to cope with setbacks and obstacles. And of course, integrity. Integrity is the quality of being honest, being trustworthy, and having strong moral principles. And our vision for this book club is to bring together a core group of highly motivated individuals and high performers to grow together. And this is our timeline for this afternoon. So we've just begun with the introduction and I'll be giving the highlights of the featured chapters in a while. And of course, we're gonna be giving the floor to our distinguished members of the panel. We're gonna have a little bit of networking later on at 5.50 and hopefully we end everything at six o'clock. Disclaimer, all information in the presentation is intended for educational purposes only. We do not offer investment, financial, or legal advice. And here we are, may have this pleasure of introducing our distinguished members of the panel who will be helping us in dissecting the lessons of this book. First up, our first panelist is in residential and commercial real estate, communication, creative problem solving, deal structuring, and strategy. Ladies and gentlemen, real estate investor, coach, and speaker, Mr. Brent Mott. Hi, Brent. Hello, hello. Thank you, Arthur. And our second panelist is in the area of international business consulting, business development, investment strategies, and market analysis. The founder of U Property Investment, Winson Industries, LLC. The senior vice president of Keynesville Capital and vice president of David Christopher Associate. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Yu. Thank you, Hi, Arthur. John. 
Hi. And of course, our next panelist offers a complete end-to-end -end turnkey support and power team, known also as the Closer, the president of Briar Court Homes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Michael Heftis. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, this is the book we are talking about, What It Takes, Lesson in the Pursuit of Excellence by Mr. Steven Schwarzman. And today we're gonna to be talking about chapters 18, 19, and 20. Allow me to give you a summary for those of you who might have read the book weeks ahead or may have you know, read the book just early this morning. So I'm going to give you a bit of a summary to refresh and put everybody up to speed. So chapter 18, listen for discordant notes. Stephen Schwarzman observed that condominiums in Spain were in surplus. Lands in India became 10 times more expensive in the last 18 months. And the price of properties in Palm Beach, Florida recently grew by 25%. Steve observed that the law of supply and demand in these places, as well as in many parts of the world was broken. These increases showed an imminent collapse. While all the signs of a bubble were happening around the world, Steve was also listening for discordant notes within the organization. At one time, he had to call the attention of one of his staff for preparing four different sets of numbers, different sets for taxes, another set for the banks, raising equity, and one for the company. Steve corrected him by saying that in Blackstone, there should only be one set of numbers for everything. Chapter 19, Time Wounds All Deals. Despite the brewing trouble in the real estate market in the horizon, Steve decided to go on a don't miss, a can't miss opportunity by buying equity office properties or EOP for almost $40 billion. Equally amazing was immediately selling off half of all the properties acquired from EOP on the same day. As Steve made the historic deal, he celebrated his 60th birthday that weekend. He took the time to celebrate this milestone with his family, friends, colleagues, and loved ones. And for chapter 20, load the boat. Steve got a suggestion from one of his friends that Blackstone should go public in the stock market and go with an initial public offering or IPO. He was open to the idea, but he had three non-negotiable terms. First, there should be no conflict between limited partners and shareholders. Second, that the culture of Blackstone would be preserved. And third, Steve wants control and will have the final say in all transactions. There were many challenges leading to the initial public offering in 2007. There were over 100 partnerships with varying worth that had to be sorted out. Key personalities in Blackstone get hospitalized, and at some point, they got politically pulled in due to their transactions. There was even a call to hold off the IPO to investigate the treatment of their employees. Well, Steve and his team faced everything head on until the dust settled. Blackstone was successful in its initial public offering with $7 billion, second largest next to Google. Later, Blackstone would merge with GSO, turning it into an even bigger company. And here are some quotable quotes from these three chapters. All my life, I've been listening and looking for patterns. 
Just like the game, name the tune, the more songs you know, the more likely you are able to identify the song with one or two notes. Another quote, changing your behavior in the face of changing information is always hard. But when people are doing well, they don't want to change. They choose to ignore the discordant notes and the tunes you're hearing. Another quote, worrying is an active and liberating activity. Worrying allows you to articulate the downside in any situation and leads to action to avoid it. Don't miss a can't miss opportunity. And we have start with an idea, discuss it, criticize it, and question it. Only when we are as certain as we can possibly be, make a decision. And finally, as a parent, we strive for balance between doing work to succeed and being there in person for your family, emotionally available for your kids. Wow, this is such a gold mine. We would love to hear your thoughts and experiences on this. Brent, would you like to begin? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, a couple of things. So when he talked about his 60th birthday party, he was like, yeah, there, there was some pushback from the press about how elegant it was. So I just did a Google on this, and, and I read about this in the, in the book. We were talking about this right before. There's another book about Schwarzman called The King of Capital, and it opens on his 60th birthday. So just, just for fun, uh, while, while you were doing this, I just pulled up Google and just typed in how much did Steve Schwarzman spend on his, on his birthday it was $20 million. So $20, $20 million for a birthday party. So I, I loved in the book, he's like, and we got a little, a little pushback for how excited, $20 million on a party. Um, that, that, that's, a, that's a good life for most people, let alone a, a single party. So uh, and here's the thing. I'm not hating on him for it. I'm striving for it. Um, we, uh, we're, we're in a society of, of hating on the, on the successful. No. How, how do I get that? I'm not, I'm not mad. Um, so I, I, I wanted to put that up. Arthur, can you pull up your slides and, and, and go back to the quotes? There's a, there's a couple things that I wanted to, um, to look at. Sure. Let Sorry me just go ahead and share my screen. All right. Um, and it's. Uh, so one, uh, one of the things he was talking about, um, if we can go, uh, towards the end, towards the quotes, um, uh, yes. uh, what, one of the first things that stuck out to me, uh, actually when, when you were presenting the book, when you were presenting the book, I've, I've, I've looked at the book like this. Okay. I've looked at the book like this the entire time. Steve, Steve Schwartzman, what it takes. And, and I've never paid attention to the subtitle, but I, I think the subtitle is incredible. Lessons in the Pursuit of Excellence. Um, I, I mean, what, I, I mean, that's just something incredible to strive for in life. And, you know, I'm, we're two, 300 pages into this book and I'm just now seeing that and it's standing out to me. So I, I love the, the lessons in the pursuit of excellence. Um, Jim Rohn used to say that success isn't something that we achieve. It's something that we pursue. It's something that we attract. Um, so we, we, have to, we have to constantly uh, be, be looking for those opportunities. 
So all my, all my life, I've been listening and looking for patterns. Um, history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it definitely rhymes. And this is, this is something that we have to look for um, as, as investors. Um, and, and so much of this book stands out to me because I'm a real estate investor. So I, I look at, you know, the, this coronavirus, this COVID-19 and what's going on. Um, and, and what's going on with the, with the forbearance and, you know, any, anybody that tells you that they know what's going to happen, they're lying to you because nobody, nobody has a crystal ball and can tell you, <laughs> but I can look back to hurricane Harvey and I can see what happened with, with forbearance and hurricane Harvey. And I saw that there was a spike in foreclosures shortly after hurricane Harvey. Um, so I, I can anticipate and I can guess that, you know, that we're probably going to see a spike in foreclosures um, when, when all of this lifts. Because what the, what the forbearance does, for the, there's, different, there's different types. But what we're going to be looking at is it's, no, you don't have to pay your mortgage for six months. But in six months, you have to pay six months worth of mortgage. So I'm, I'm looking at the the pattern that we've seen so we, we've had a crisis so now we've had the forbearance you know in 2017 we had a crisis we had a forbearance what happened at the end of that forbearance was a big spike in foreclosures and a big opportunity for real estate investors to help people and a big opportunity for real invest real estate investors to get great deals um on uh on on some opportunities so we we had some really great opportunities that um, the other thing that we have to look at is, you know, what happened after the 08, 09 crash. Um, there was a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity for real estate investors. So anytime, anytime there, there's difficulty in the market, anytime we're in kind of tough times in, in the past, it's always created really good opportunities uh, for investors. So um, I, I love the, this looking for patterns and this identifying uh, patterns from this. Um, uh, one thing about this week's reading specifically is, is this week's reading for me was a lot more narrative. And it was really interesting, but I didn't, I didn't have as many takeaways as, as I normally uh, get, as, as I've been getting out of the book. Still really enjoyed it. I just, I just had fewer, you know, um, practical, actionable uh, takeaways. Now I, I did have a, a few things highlighted. We've got to be like Arthur and put it in a, in a slide deck, um, to, to be ready. Um, Brent, I'm sorry. You're never going to be as cool as Arthur. I know. <laughs> um, uh, one, uh, so there, so I always have a, a couple of books going on at the same time. The other one I'm reading right now is Fortitude, uh, by Dan Crenshaw. Really, really great book. Um, and, and there, there's a lot of carryover. Um, but one of the things that struck out to me in Schwartz's book, changing your behavior in the face of changing information is always hard. So another one of the quotes that you had up, um, was, uh, oh, you had, you had it in there, um, was the way that they make it, the, their decision-making process is all about, we're, we're going to make it, we're going to, uh, have a, uh, we're going to have a proposal and we're going to talk about it. And we're going to look at every up, every down. Uh, it, it might get heated, but in the, in the end, we're going to come up with a, a solution and we're all going to leave kind of uh, united. And one thing 
uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to, to look for opportunities to, to improve. Um, and if you're not open to being wrong, then, then you've got no opportunities to, to get better or to improve. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that's something that I, that I took away from there. Um, time wounds all deals. Yeah. Time, time never makes deals better. Um, uh, if you, if you've done, uh, if you've been in real estate time, it rarely gets better with time unless you already own it. Once you already own it, it tends to get a lot better with time. Um, uh, uh another thing, this doesn't have to do with that. Um, uh, but it's from the chapter is he was, he was talking about his birthday party, um, which by the $20 million. All right. But each birthday is a reminder of how glad I am still to be alive and in good health. It certainly beats the alternative. And, and that's something that, you know, we've got to, um, it, it's, it's a good takeaway in our life in general. As you know, just be just be grateful for for where you are. Um, Schwartzman talked about uh, his his granddad died when he was like forty two, um, uh, and and he was anticipating you know dying early. And uh, he's seventy now, so he's he's made it past the forty two mark. But I mean, I, I think it's important that in, in life in general we just look for those opportunities uh, to be grateful. Um, uh, I did the, I highlighted the strive for the balance between doing enough to at work to succeed and being the person for your family, emotionally available for your kids. Uh, so Arthur, I, I got that too. Um, uh, and then this is more for, uh, for the entrepreneurs, you know, you put in an absolutely unprecedented effort and achieve something no firm in history has ever done. Um, so this is, is talking about what a huge real estate transaction that they did, um, and, uh, publicly encouraging his, his staff. He put in an absolutely unprecedented effort and achieved something no firm in history had ever achieved. Uh, he was talking about his staff was in the office for days. Um, and then they got to go home and take a shower. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's just going through and pushing through towards the end. Um, and then I, I love how risk adverse Schwartzman is because that's, that's the way that I am when it comes to investment. He said we, we had reduced every bit of risk we could to protect and deliver for our investors. So if you, if you read this, um, and I know most of the people that are, that are on the call, he wholesaled like $30 million worth of assets. No, um, he, yeah. In two months, we had bought $40 billion and sold $30 billion in that. Uh, has Briar Court had a had a thirty billion dollar uh, uh, day yet, Michael? Uh, that's on my calendar for next month, Brent. Okay, almost, almost there. Almost so, there. but I mean, when you when you're reading this, he's wholesaling. That that's all. That that's what he did. Was he wholesaled thirty billion dollars worth of? Well, he had a team. He had, he had a team. So I mean, uh, it, it's just really cool that I mean that's a strategy that we use. Um, and you know, why, what's stopping us from, from doing something that big? Um, so, I mean, it, it's all about growth. Um, Hey Brent, can I just expand on something you please. said a minute ago? Yeah, no, I think I what that. you brought up on the title was very, and the subtitle was very, very important. I'm going to take it one step further. I'm going to say that this book and everything that he has talked about in this book, 
about what has made him successful is the absolute antithesis of everything taught in school today that we are taught should be the norm, that we are led to believe by the press, that he talks about hard work. He, you know, look back at that MIT meeting. He didn't pretend he was a victim because they stood him up on the meeting and felt bad for himself. They got in the car, they came up with the plan B. And they just do whatever it takes to keep trying to make it successful and working hard. And, and, and I think that this book is, is, is something that um, if you held it up in front of the wrong crowd, it would be like garlic to a vampire. Uh, so it, it's, it's just interesting how much this book um, really espouses basic fundamentals and then he expands on it but you can see how much those basic fundamentals have made him incredibly successful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, it's, uh, uh, I, I think that if you cross-reference, you know, most successful people, you're going to see a lot of, um, a lot of those patterns of, yep. of, of the, the sticking with it, regardless of what happens. I'll, I'll tell you right now, that's the, that's the biggest characteristic of, uh, uh, of success in real estate investing is the is the ability to stick with it. This is this is not a get rich quick business. The, no. This is not a get rich quick business. Um, one of the one of the most common questions I get asked uh, by by new investors is how fast can I do my first deal? Well, that that's not the right question. How fast? How how fast can you do your first deal? I don't know. How many doors are you going to knock on? Are, are you going to go knock on doors? 50, 60, if, if speed is what you're looking for, you, you can do it pretty fast. I'll tell you this. If, if you want if, to do a bad deal, you could do it as soon as tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that, that's not, I want, I want to build a sustainable business. I want to build a sustainable business. I mean, most of the people, uh, and the, the, the people that I work with, um, are, you know, they're, they're successful. Um, they, they're, they're successful. And I mean, that's, um, and they're, they're usually successful. They're when, when a lot of times when they come to me, they've been successful at something other than real estate. They, they, they've got a really good life. And one of the biggest things that people struggle with is they let a good life get in the way of a great life. Um, they, they let, you know, a level of comfort, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm good with, you know, watching Netflix, um, and, and hanging out. Um, and then I'll let that uh, get in their way, but the stick with it, the stick with it is so much faster than how fast can I do a deal? Um, it's how many deals can I do? What, what can I grow this to? That, that's the people that, that and, and how fast can I get a deal is a legitimate, that is a legitimate question. It's the wrong question, but you're not wrong if that's the question that you're asking. Um, it's, not, it's not the most important, and I, I understand why it's pressing, because you, it, you are going out on, on a leap of faith, and it's, it's how fast can I get that, that, uh, that lifeline? Um, you know, Grow, grow something, grow something and be persistent um, and, and stick with, with whatever you're doing. And, and, and that's, I, I think that's the biggest key to, to success in anything is, is being persistent. I mean, we go back to the beginning of the book, 
when he got yelled at by his first boss. He didn't, he, he adapted, he persisted. Um, he can, he continued to grow. Um, John, I'd, I'd love to kind of hear uh, some of your, some of your thoughts so far. Um, I mean, these, these three chapters probably resonated with me more than other real estate investors here uh, on, on this call. Uh, just because by nature, I, I mean, yes, I'm learning all the negotiation and all the tactics and all the strategies of, you know, through the big dog program, but by nature, I'm more of a person that follows the pattern, right? So, uh, whatever is happening, uh, in, in the world right now and, and what is happening with, you know, with the feds, with other countries, major economies, that's how I end identify where to put most of my portfolio money or where, you know, where I put my money, uh, to put it simply, I'm a, I'm a sort of a gambler in the investing business and I, I just bet my money on wherever seems logical. And I think Steve is Schwartzman is, is, is very similar. So I actually, um, thought it was very interesting. You know, he was, he anticipated the, I wouldn't say anticipated, but he was suspicious of the risk of the housing bubble back in 08 by learning that land prices in India have risen in the last 18 months by 10 times, you know, and, and usually people don't make that correlations because, you know, US is US, India is India. Uh, but, you know, and then he obviously also found that the uh, Spanish condominium prices was ridiculous and uh, any business that they're currently bidding on right now are all housing related. And then to top that off, the president and the founder of EOP wanted to sell his business. So he's like, well, if this guy wants to sell some, something is wrong. You know, so, so I think, you know, uh, as real estate investors, we can negotiate a great price for real estate. Uh, but if the big economic indicator shows that it's going to collapse, you know, immediately, which usually doesn't really happen uh, in real estate, luckily, uh, then I like to go with that trend. Um, it's just, I think just taking into all sorts of, into consideration, all sorts of different information, whether they're, whether you think they're real estate related or not, or, you know, whatever, uh, could really help see some things that other people don't. Like, for example, uh, right now in the current marketplace, the, when I say marketplace, I meant the primary market, which includes the stock bonds, you know, all that good stuff. You know, there, there was a huge pile of money printed by the Federal Reserves that is just going into it nonstop. So usually there's a correlation between precious metals, real estate, and uh, the stock market. They're usually inverse because if the stock market is doing great, people don't like to put it their money into bonds, into gold, stuff like that. And then when the stock market is doing bad, then, you know, it inverses. Well, in the past two weeks, it's completely defied that pattern whatsoever. It's, everything is just rising. You know, NASDAQ's at all-time high. Uh, the stock market was, was basically recovering to the point of pre-COVID, which doesn't make any sense because we know that the number of cases of COVID is actually increased and, and uh, as the states are opening up. So, uh, 
to, to get to the summary, you know, I, I'm a personal believer in the uh, collapse of, of the economy pretty soon. And, um, you know, it's just identifying those kind of patterns and what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. I think right now, what we're seeing right now during this COVID pandemic is actually very similar to what Steve was saying back in 07, that, you know, everything is going crazy because interest rate was ridiculously low and the Fed is just printing more and more and more and more money, which, by the way, if you guys are interested in that, can uh, you can read The Creature of Jackal Island, a book oh. that was edited by Steve Liang, and you will see why things are going that way. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, this is That's just book. It's extremely crazy. And if you guys ever read Robert Kiyosaki, you know that around the world economy is made out of debt and taxes, and we're just pumping out more debt. So, therefore, we have more money. That, yeah. That, that, if, if you want to have a couple of weeks where you don't sleep, read The Creature of Jekyll Island. That'll... Oh man. Oh man. Um yeah, so I mean that's uh uh it's a very interesting perspective. So I don't I do I do hard assets exclusively and I invest ex so I own gold and silver. I don't consider those investments, but I own gold and silver. Um but my investments are all real estate. So it's definitely interesting to, uh, to hear that perspective. Um, I, I, have, I have zero dollars in the stock market. I have zero stock, zero bonds. I don't have any assets that I don't have a level of control over. Um, I, I have partners in a lot of my assets that are managers, um, but I, I, have, I know who's managing each and every one of, of my investments. So, uh, but uh, talking about investments in the, in the chapter, load the boat, talking about uh, bringing on uh, doing his IPO and bringing on uh, opening up to the, to the, to the public um, and kind of having to serve two masters um, because we've got to look at, you know, what are going to be the best stock returns? What are going to be the best returns um, for, for investments? And those don't always correlate directly. So, um, uh, his limited partners were used to investing their money in waiting years while, while we put it to work. Public shareholders would track the value of holding their, of holding every, every second of every day. The interest of both wouldn't always be aligned. Um, my, my investors, so my investors in, in my commercial type deals and then the fund that I'm creating, the, the money's going to be parked for five years. So I'm, I'm about to have, uh, an offering that there are no distributions for three years. That, that just your your money, you're not gonna you're not gonna get any distributions for three years, um, because we're gonna constantly recycle it. You're gonna have a huge return when you get your money back, but but for the first three years, there there's no distributions, um, and um, that's something that uh, a, a couple of advisors, I guess, um, somebody in, a, in kind of an advisory role suggested that, you know, we do something that was kind of contrary to not, not totally off, but, but kind of contrary to, to the goal of the fund. And I just said, uh, I don't, I don't think that, I think that's going to separate us from more core competency. 
um, I think our investors will will understand this and, and will will want to go with this. So we've got to be able to 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 find that merge. Um, when he announced his stock, where where is this quote? Um, he said our common stock, our common unit should be uh, purchased by investors who expect to remain unit holders for a number of years. So his his stocks aren't a aren't designed for buying and trading. They're they're designed for holding and for yield. Um, when he was talking about doing the IPO, there were there were a few things that were that were crucial to him um, in maintaining control or, or in in his business. Um, uh, so first, uh, there could be no conflict between our duty to our limited partners and our public shareholders. So they did, they did a good job of making sure the, those compensations always align. So whenever I'm working with somebody, I want to make sure that our compensation structure is aligned. Um, we both get paid for the same actions and, in uh, and the more, uh, so when I structure my deals where I'm a general partner, and I'm looking for limited partners, I'm looking for investors, I always want to look from the investor's point of view of what would I, how would I want my general partner to get paid? The general partner has to get paid. Do, do I want to pay them a big fee regardless of what happens or do I want to pay them more equity if they make me more money? I would rather pay them more if they make me more money. So that, that's the way that I structure my deals. So I always want to make sure that, that incentives line up very well. Um, uh, I didn't want the uh, uh, second Pete and I had created billions of dollars of our value uh, of initial $400,000 investment. I didn't want the world telling, uh, telling us how we should be running the company. Um, every, uh, every deal that, that I'm in and I'm, I'm an active real estate investor. I want to be a passive real estate investor when I grow up. That that's my goal. But every deal I'm involved in, me or my business partner have direct control. Um, uh, and, and if we don't have direct control, we have a, uh, we can't be vetoed. We, 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 we can't lose control. So uh, one of the deals that I'm in, my partner and I own 40% and the two other partners own uh, 30% each. So that it's, a, it's a three-way partner. Our group owns 40%, the other partners own 30-30. Well, in our operating agreement, we put that any vote requires 70% approval. Okay, requires a 70% approval. That means that no decision gets made without us. Whatever they, they're, they're added up doesn't hit the threshold. So um, we can't be outvoted. Um, we, we maintain that level of control and, and that's just, that that's just one of my core competencies. Now I have other. I invested in a bank. I, I that banking in, investing in a bank is not one of my core competencies. So I made that investment, and I just said, yeah, just just give me some money in a couple of years. Honestly, I invested with the bank because when I call the bank, I say, hey, I'm a shareholder. This is the loan that I need. That's why I made that investment. We invested fifty thousand dollars in Bank of Houston so that we could call and say, hey, I'm a shareholder. This is what we're doing and this is what I need. Um, uh, and then third, he wanted to maintain 100% control. So that, that gives uh, everything that we talked about. Um, going back to the decision-making process, start with an idea, discuss it, criticize it, question it, 
Um, look, uh, so the, the, the people that are on the call get a preview. Tomorrow night I'm announcing uh, a, a fund that we're creating. Um, that, that, that's the announcement that I'm making on, uh, the big, big dog call tomorrow night. Um, but that, um, that investment idea started a year ago and I, and I've been working on it a lot for the last nine months. And that started off with, you know, buying individual properties with 15 owners and, and it just kind of scale it, that model wasn't scalable and, what it, what it turned into is great and I'm excited about it and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great for me and my partners. It's going to be great for the limited partners. It's going to be great for the big dog community. It's, it's going to be great for everybody. It's not what I envision, but because I surround myself with people, I surround myself with people that are smarter than me. Luckily, that's not that difficult to do. Um, but I surround myself with people that are smarter with me and, and have similar values that I can say, this is, this is what I want to do. This is what I envision. How do we make this better? Um, and it's it's been molded and uh, and and corrected and and grown to something that's going to be really really good. Now, once we had it established, that's when I said, "No, this is this is where I've got to maintain control." So we we grew it and we groomed it and we made it the best that we could make it. And and once we had it set up, it's like, no, that's not that's not what we do that that's not our core competency so i i love the the collaboration and the growth but also that desire to to maintain control and maintain you know uh your your integrity and what you believe in um uh, i described our intention to keep the culture of the firm as it was with our long-term perspective our partnership management structure and widespread employee ownership so I love that Schwartz. I'm I'm a long-term guy. I'm I'm a long-term guy, and I love that Schwartzman has that same thing. Um, uh, and then going back to when I set up, um, when I set up my deals, I think of I think of myself as a limited partner, as an investor. What would I look for? And when uh, Schwartzman had his offering put together, his his thought was. What a marvelous company. I'd buy stock in a minute. That, that, that's what I want my investments to be in. I want, I want my investments. Um, my mom is putting half, one, actually 60% of her life savings in, in one of our deals um, that's closing this week. Um, I mean, that, that's how confident that I am in, in the deals that I put together is I'm letting my mom put her life savings in, in a deal. And it's going to be really, really good for her. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's all about, you know, uh, figuring out, and, and it goes back to, it goes back to what he talked about early, early in the book when he, when he was looking at the, the ballet company of how do we, how do we get these, uh, how do, can I get um, access for these Yale students to go to the ballet? Well, he appealed he appealed to the other person's self-interest. What are, uh, you should let us in at this discount because these are going to be your future patrons. All right. You, you, we can get us in and young. So it's always looking for what is, what is going to benefit the, the person on the other side of the table and how can we make the deal, um, better, better for them. And, uh, when it, when it came down to it, his IPO was oversubscribed 15 times. 
Um, so they, they raised 15 X what they, what they were looking for. Um, so, um, like, like I said, this, uh, and, and I think John hit the nail on the head that, you know, this, this particular chapter the, was more interesting than it was informative for me. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the read, but I, I, it, I didn't get as much actionable out, out of this particular reading because it, it's not necessarily the, the realm that I operate in. Um, but I mean, that, that's kind of, uh, my, my notes that I got out of it. Um, uh, Michael, what, what else did you, did you pick up on? You know, I, I, I seen over, I've said this before, I'm, I'm going to say it again. I pick up on, on themes and we keep talking about the theme of him seeing different aspects of the land value and what's going on and who's selling their business and, and, and things of that nature. And he, he starts to look at things holistically. And whenever I, I kind of see a, something that interests me, I, I, I try and superimpose that on my life. And I look at what I've done with Briarport Homes, where, you know, I just started off as a regular investor. I had no idea where it was going to go. And then I ended up getting a really big buyer's list. And I had 13,000 people on it. So I started wholesaling. And now I, you know, we do fix and flips. And, and now we do taking people's leads and turning them into contracts. And now we you know, we, we can help with funding and there's, we, we, we're in a position now where we have our fingers in so many different areas and we've grown into areas that we never thought we were going to, that we can start to get a pulse on what's happening and what's going on and where we see opportunities and things of that nature. Um, and, and I think that I see a lot of investors and I was guilty of this at one point being one trick ponies and i would caution that whatever you do in life that you you never want to be just a one trick pony you want to be able to see it from a holistic point of view you want to be able to see the larger picture you want to have an idea of what's going on and and when to zig instead of zag and things of that nature so i would i would i would always i would caution to always take that step back and look at everything you do even down to just at a deal level from that larger picture and, and really make sure you're not missing any opportunities. I like it. I like it. Um, John, do you, uh, do you have any, any other insights that you'd like to share? Uh, not insights, but, uh, I do like to share something that I have recently, uh, ran across my desk in terms of uh, global trend. If you guys are interested. Yeah. Um, so uh, everywhere except the U.S. and some parts of, you know, uh, Asia are all looking at um, this thing called ESG. And uh, it has to do with being sustainable and environmental friendly. And they have just recently placed a, um, a new ruling on investment funds that people can invest in that has to be a CG, uh, ESG compliant. So I find that being a trend for real estate as well. And uh, it's just something I like to share. Can, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Uh, for people who invest in, for example, mutual funds or um, you know, for alternative investments, for example, businesses uh, from foreign countries, 
uh, when I say foreign countries, I mean any countries other than the U.S. Right now, the U.S. I mean a lot of the companies are are complying with the whole environmental change, climate change, and all that stuff. Some people don't believe in it. You know, I don't care whether or not it's true or not. I just care that you know everywhere except the U.S. They want to have this happen. They want to make sure the investment money that get transferred from countries to country are as uh, ESG compliant. So, uh, you know, they're putting together, from what I know, uh, I believe uh, Taiwan and parts of Japan are putting up together a 3.5 billion fund that is has to be ESG compliant in order to be invested in. And so now these big uh, investment firms from these countries are looking for deals uh, to put their $3.5 billion in that deals with, uh, you know, environmental friendly uh, sustain- sustainability, stuff like that. So cool. just something I like to share with, cause I'm also in, my family came from a business of recycling. So, so cool. something I, I, I learned from that. Awesome. I like it. Uh, well, let's, uh, I'd, I'd like to open it up to, um, all of everybody else that's joining us. I'd love to get more feedback. This is the, the Wednesday that I have a hard stop at six o'clock. So, but right before we, br- we can go ahead and start bringing everybody in. Um, but I do want to kind of talk about kind of, uh, next steps, uh, and, and something that I'd like to see happen, uh, with the book club. So I think we've got two more weeks of this. I, we've got two more, um, sessions of this. Um, I'd like to, um, I'd like to read, so uh, the ones that I'd like to read uh, this week are going to be Be a Friend to the the Situation, Turn Crisis into Opportunity and Engage. I'm breaking this down by by page count instead of chapter. So it's going to be three chapters this week and uh, five chapters next week. Um, But the chapters for the next next are, are really short. So we're, it's three chapters and then five chapters, okay? So we're going to read two page 305 for the next one, and then we'll finish the book on the next call uh, or on the next webinar. And then what I'd, what I'd like to do is I'd like to get to where we're doing a book a month. Um, do, doing it that way is going to put us halfway through July. Um, and the next book that I'd like to read um, just to kind of switch things up and, and just constantly and have each book cover a different topic. Um, I'd really like to get into the Jocko Willink book. Um, uh, Jocko's great. His other books are incredible. I haven't read this one yet. Um, this one, I think we're going to take six weeks to, to read and that will put us um, uh, with one week left in August. And then our next book will read, the one week of August and then on October, the first Wednesday in October, when we'll be just doing a book a month. Um, uh, and kind of my goal is my, my goal that I'd like to have is about 50 pages per week. Um, I think that's very doable and on, on audio, that's typically about two hours of audio, um, for everybody to, to kind of pursue. So that was a lot of kind of administrative strategy. Um, uh, I apologize. Um, but uh, if you want to go ahead and order the next book, Leadership Strategy and Tactics um, is, is uh, what we're going to be doing next. So um, who uh, I, I want to hear everybody's insight uh, for, for these three chapters. 
Um, and, and I'm always looking for, uh, I'm always looking for growth. And I mentioned, you know, this was more entertaining and interesting for me than informative. Um, did, did anybody have any good, strong takeaways that, that, that I met? Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Hi, Pedro. Hi, Pedro. I've been away for a couple of weeks, but I'm back. Glad to have you back. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the one observation that I made, uh, that I made a note on, was when you were saying that this person was saying, how fast can I do my first deal? You know, uh, I would probably reply by saying, how quickly can I prepare myself to develop a team with a process that has a comprehensive process? Because as you were saying, Brett, uh, this is gonna lead to a sustainable business and not just a one-shot deal. You know, and you can go in and get lucky and get a, have a good deal that you find and you process it and you sell it, but then what's next? You know, and then if you're trying to do something like hit and miss, it becomes a, quite a bit of a challenge. I mean, you'll do okay, but you know, it's gonna be like a roller coaster. Right. But if you're saying, you know, before I, before I wanna go and rush and do my first deal, let me just learn to develop a good system, have a good team behind me, and then have that comprehensive process so that every time I gonna do something, I already know my I have my checklist. One, two, three. And if this, then that. If this, then that. And that can actually create uh, a sustainable process of thinking and acting that can actually provide a fairly good outcome every time you negotiate a deal. I think that's great. I think that's I think that's spot on. Well, how about this time, Juan? Would you like to say something? You've been very active in our chat. Uh, yeah, I like I, I I went ahead and put uh, I typed some stuff in uh, as as uh, Brent and Michael were sharing. And one of the things that I really and John, but one of the things I really uh, liked is something that actually Michael said last week because he says that he's a natural worrier, and and I'm a natural worrier, and I've always seen that kind of as a a downfall. But then when Michael put it, I've actually been thinking about what he said since last week. And then when, 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 when uh, uh, Schwartzman puts it in his book about, you know, and I, and I talked about that, it's like worrying is not, uh, it's not about how things might go wrong. But if it's a worrying is paying attention to, to situations, patterns, and, and then have the, have the gall or the audacity to make changes or the humbleness to make changes when you need to, uh, and, and shift where you need to. And I thought that was uh, a really, for me, that was really kind of powerful to, to, to think about worry in a positive way, not, not necessarily as a negative. And also, um, Brent mentioned something about Jim Rohn. Uh, and when he says the, the, the quote about all my life I have spent, and one of the things that, that he always says is success leaves clues. And we really do need to kind of pay attention uh, to what's going on around us. Uh, you know, pattern, just the cycles continue over and over. Successful people follow successful people. They do the, the, the same things over and over and they continue to succeed. And it, and it is a pattern. And if we, and, if, and, if, and I'll use me, if I continue doing the same things and follow the same patterns, I'm going to continue getting whatever I'm doing. And so as long as I continue to make those little changes, and they're really little, they're not, they're not huge changes but those small habits make a huge difference. 
So I, I think that if we pay attention to those things and take advantage of those opportunities, uh, we can definitely have huge impacts, not only in our lives, but in those around us. So, so if you thank keep you on so much for that. Doing, you keep on getting what you're getting. <laughs> yeah, the Albert Einstein quote. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Juan. And how about Peter Gray? I saw you um, typing earlier that how much of the 20 million of Steve's birthday party did go to Rod Stewart? <laughs> yeah, well, about 5%. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of like Brent, where I just read through those chapters and was really enjoying the, the story. I mean, I've been, all the way back to when Steve Schwartzman was in high school, he's just done incredible things. I mean, this guy's really cut from a different mold. He's Everything he touches turns to gold. And um, I was quite struck by the, the scenario of the, the employer, the, the employee, that had four sets of numbers. I thought that's terrible. And of course, Steve Schwartzman wasn't going to have any of that. His integrity, you know, just wouldn't allow anything like that to happen in his company. So I thought that was pretty impressive. Um, but of course, not not surprising. Uh, this man is a man of extreme integrity, and I really have a lot of respect for that. Thank you so much for your insights. Yes. Thank you. All right. And how about this on Israel? Would you like to say something? Hi, guys. Uh, I missed last week, and I thought we had finished up, so I already started. I finished, I finished uh, this book, and I've already started on the next one, which is good, by the way, uh, Brent, if you haven't read it yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, remembering back, so it's been about a almost two weeks since I've, I've listened to it on audible, but it, uh, yeah, I've just really enjoyed those chapters and actually the rest of the book, uh, you know, is just a really nice read and, and, uh, really enjoyable. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Israel. We'd like to hear from Sandra, Robert, Phil, are you around? Hey y'all. Yeah. I apologize. I'm, I'm, a, I'm again without camera. The teenager has it. Uh, <laughs> CDW, right. CDW has confirmed that after uh, two and a half months of uh, no inventory of decent uh, webcams, mine will be arriving sometime before 9 p.m. this evening. Um, I go. ordered it. Yeah, I ordered it like eight weeks ago. Um, so I, I will. Uh, I, I will be more consistent again soon. Um, it's interesting and. Um, I think it's been three or four weeks I commented on how I, I really enjoy his writing, but I was listening to it in Audible and also having been listening to a bunch of, uh, uh, um, I can't remember his last name now, Brent. Uh, uh, What's, he like, huh? What's he write about? He's a lot like Grant Cardone. He's about mastery and excellence and, and implementing mastery. Brent Bershon, I think. Barshon, oh, Brandon, Brandon Bruchard. Brandon Bruchard. Thank you. I knew you'd know. Um, I've been, I've been, I've had him on audio and, uh, <clears throat> and Cardone on audio and they're both so, so such a different energy level. It was really hard for me to get into uh, Schwartzman's book and I've already read it once and I loved it. And then when I started listening on audio, I'm like, man, I'm having a hard time because it's just the energy. It's just 
I can't listen to it when I'm driving. I'm afraid I'm going to fall asleep. And uh, so this week I went back to my hard copy. And I think part of it is that he just, he does such a great job of building the story. And I'm kind of like you, Brent. I, this week I got, um, I, I just actually was able to enjoy the story more. But I think the interesting thing is, um, I don't remember if it was uh, Pedro Israel, one of you just commented on how this guy, everything he touches is gold. And this is the key. And reread, I, I encourage you to reread this, or if you're listening to it on audio, switch over to uh, the hard copy and vice versa, whichever you're doing, because you'll get different stuff out of it. It's not everything that he touches is gold. He has an amazing knack for deciding what has gold underneath it. He doesn't just randomly pursue anything. When he started in track and field, he knew he was going to succeed at track. He didn't, he didn't say, what do I want to do? He went out, read it. He went, he pursued that. He knew. And I think that's the same way that he, he tackles everything. And, and as far as I can say, I can't wait till I can justify. See, I got five years to, to build up my wealth to justify my $20 million party. And you're all invited. There we well, go. Coming. I better make it 21 million. He's a little high maintenance for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much I mean, for your insights, Robert. How about I mean, Phil? And... Yeah. Yes. Yes, Robert. Would you like to add? How about Phil and Sandra? Would you like to say something before we go? All right. It's no problem. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. Thank you so much for being a part of today's book club and looking forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you for being part of my debut show. Thank you. And I'll see Great you all job, next Arthur. week. Thank you, Arthur. Thank you Bye, so much. I'll see you all. Bye-bye. Bye. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.